You'll notice that there's no outline today in your bulletin. There's nothing up on the screen. Uh, do you remember that the church functioned for uh, almost 2,000 years without a video screen? So uh, we'll see if, if we can function this morning without that. And one of the things I really would like this morning is that you would think deeply with me this morning about a couple of questions that I have. There's not even a title this morning, so... Um, I wonder sometimes, I, actually, what has happened to the wonder and the ponder and the treasuring up in our hearts, the, the majesty, the mystery of Christmas, the birth of our Lord Jesus. It's really an easy thing to preach a Christmas message. It's easy to come up with a, an outline. Uh, a simple outline. It's really easy in some ways to tell the old, old story that people have heard over and over again. But it's so familiar to us that we can easily tune it out. And I don't think we would do this on purpose. I, I just think that you're so familiar with it that we get caught up in other things, and we start to go down a different trail in our head. The activities, the, the, the family that's coming, the family that's leaving, uh, what's happening this evening. Uh, and my head's full of those things right now. And so uh, I don't want this to be a message that we tune out, that, that we don't really listen to. And, uh, you know, it's easy to touch people's emotions at Christmas. How many of you get a little bit emotional at Christmas? Come on, be, be honest. As some of us, yeah, I, I do. I confess that I do. And it's easy to touch people's emotions at Christmas time. Um, it's easy to touch people's emotions with family memories uh, and even the Christmas songs. Uh, uh, Silent Night, we're going to close our, our service with Silent Night and uh, I know that is one of those songs that gets me. And so uh, our emotions sometimes are near the surface, and they're not always good emotions with everybody at Christmas time. It doesn't work that way. But the angel's song is what our message, messages are supposed to be about, these songs of Christmas. This morning it's the angel's song, Glory to God in the Highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And that's something that we can all quote that. Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And we can say it, and, and it just kind of runs through our head, and maybe we don't think about it. It's a profound song that the angels sung. It really is. How can it be what they said? Glory to God on the highest, peace on earth. I thought about a, a Christmas in Vietnam, farthest thing from peace on earth. Yesterday I was at the Illinois Youth Center uh, for about three hours with uh, young men who are in prison and uh, 
I thought about peace on earth. It certainly wasn't peace that brought them to that place. And oftentimes that place is, there's no peace there. Yesterday for a couple of hours there really was peace. And so I, I got a sense, okay, here's, here's a little peace on earth, but the surroundings all around this are, they're not peaceful. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And then even in our relationships, maybe especially at this time of the year, with so much on our plates. There's not always peace. Sometimes we have to stop and pray and ask God to redirect our our thoughts, our intentions, our hearts. Maybe even this morning. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. What is goodwill? What is favor toward mankind? So then I asked myself a question when I was thinking about this, and this is the question I'm going to ask you to think about, and you may get a chance to to answer this question, so you're going to have to think about this question. Uh, Would things be different if Jesus Christ had never been born? And here's the real question I'm asking. What impact did the birth of Jesus Christ really have on our world? Have you thought about that? What impact does Christ's birth have on our world? I think we could give the road answers. You know, we can give the theological answers, uh, the Christmas story, but what difference did it really make for Christ to be born? So my family, we ha- our, f- our, our favorite Christmas movie is uh, It's a Wonderful Life. How many of you like that? You, some of you like it. Uh, George Bailey. <laughs> uh, Clarence, that's George Bailey's personal guardian angel. <laughs> he has this divinely inspired idea because George has run into a lot of dead ends and some issues in his life. And, and so he gets this idea, supposedly from heaven, that, hey, uh, I heard George Bailey say, I wish I'd never been born. And so Clarence says, I'm going to show you what your life would have been like, this world would have been like, had you not been born. It's, it's a clever idea. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great story. And so George Bailey gets to see the world without George Bailey, and it's not a pretty picture. And so all of a sudden, George realizes how many lives that he's touched. And he regains his joy and he regains his fervor for life after he asks God to help me. Help me, God, he says, before he's ready to jump in the river. And God helps him. And then Clarence gets his wings. Well, you know, obviously it's not theologically sound story. But uh, that gets me every time. That's, I'm, I'm a sappy old guy. At the end of the movie, I'm, oh, I can't believe it, you know. Um, But what if Jesus had never been born? So I decided this morning I want to do something just a little different. Um, I decided that I needed to interview some people to help me with that question. The question was, what impact did Christ's birth have on this world? And so use your imagination and come with me. 
The first interview was with one of the shepherds who was there when Christ was born. And so I met the shepherd and, and I asked him, Sir, what impact did Christ have on you? Now I want to read you his account first. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me and turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 2. We're going to read this story, and I've reminded you already, you've heard this story, I would say a thousand times, but that would probably be underestimating. So I challenge you to listen to this story with fresh ears and a fresh heart. Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 20. This is what the shepherds told me. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for, I, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Well, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You may see, be seated, please. So the shepherd said, impact me? Impact me? Are you serious? I was 19 years old, sleeping soundly on a profoundly cold, cold night when this light, this presence, this heaviness of glory surrounded us. I can't even describe it, and I'm not ashamed to tell you. I was frightened. I was scared, scared to death. I was shaking violently. And then the voice and the presence of an angel impact me? Are you kidding? 
I would never be the same. And the message from the angel, fear not. Good news, great joy, a, a baby, a savior, a king, a messiah. I'm trying to swallow all that, trying to digest it. And then all of a sudden, myriads and myriads, thousands and thousands of angels in the sky, praising God, glory to God in the highest. Impact me? Changed my life. He went on to say, I lived long enough to see that baby become a man. And for me to know that I was there at his birth, me, a simple shepherd, you know, when this man was teaching, he taught like no other person ever taught before. He taught with authority. And, and then this prophet who would heal the sick and raise the dead, help the blind to see and help the lame to walk. This Savior who would feed thousands of people from almost nothing. To think that I was allowed to be there at the beginning when he was born. Impact me? I've never stopped talking about it. About him. There came a time in his life when he began to say these crazy things. I wondered if he didn't want people to follow him anymore. He said, you know what? I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be delivered over to the religious leaders. They'll deliver me over to Rome. They're going to kill me. And then it happened. They crucified him. I was devastated. I was numb. The hope of the ages, the Messiah, the King, dead? Peace on earth? Goodwill toward men? Is this some kind of a divine and cruel hoax? But on the third day, after his crucifixion, he rose again. He rose from the dead out of the grave. He was alive. He appeared to hundreds of people. And then 40 days later, his disciples were talking to him and he, he ascended up into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father as a high priest and a mediator for me. Then on the Feast of Pentecost, a few days later, the promised Holy Spirit came on God's people, his called out ones. And I realized, that's the point that I realized something about peace. I realized that he, the Savior, the Lord and King, that he carried my sin and the sin of the whole world to that cross. 
that cross of Calvary, the place where he was crucified. He died for me, and he rose to life in victory over sin and death. And you know what? My faith is in him, that little baby who laid in a manger after his birth. My faith is in him and what he's done for me. Impact me? He gave me a new heart. He made me a new man. And I will never, never be the same. After that interview, the impact that I, I learned about Christ's birth is that Christ has called a people unto himself so that we may have peace with God forever. But I wondered, you went up into heaven, Lord, and you left your people here. What's happened since then? What's happened to peace on earth? So for the second interview, I called my friend, Mark Lattimore. You don't know him. He's a student of history and a student of theology. Uh, he's a man that speaks really well and really clearly and profoundly. And I asked him as a historian, what impact did Christ's birth have on the world? He didn't quote scripture to me. Had he, he, he would have talked about the heart of Jesus for the poor and the hungry and the thirsty and the stranger, the naked, the sick, the prisoner, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And he would have reminded me that Jesus said that we should give alms. <laughs> We're talking about giving money. Jesus said we should give alms from the heart, such as justice and love for God. That's where peace comes from. So here are his words. By the way, he likes big words. So I'm going to ask you, uh, <laughs> Gary, hang on to your seat, brother. Uh, Gary and I talk about big words. And uh, I want you to think about history and what impact did God make in our world. Here's the words of Mark. God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. And so was born humanity, made in the image of God. But what did that look like? Really looked like. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. Then we knew what that looked like. And nothing was ever the same. No longer was God up there. God was here with us in our history. And we finally saw, not just understood, but literally saw what it meant to be made in the image of God. And nothing was the same. 
He goes on. He says, once we realize that we were God's image bearers, the sanctity and preciousness of life took on a meaning theretofore unseen in the history of humanity. He said, utility gave way to compassion. Self-preservation gave way to selflessness. Creation, and, and we, were, we were and are part of that creation, was no longer irreparably broken, but redeemed by the grace and in the humanity of God on earth. Creation became something not merely to be looked beyond, but to be cherished and cared for in the here and now. Fellow humans were no longer competitors in life, but fellow travelers, precious because they too bore the image of God, and nothing was the same. He goes on to history. He says, so early Christians cared for the sick. Maybe you remember this. Early Christians cared for the sick when plagues emptied the cities of its well-to-do citizens who fled, fearing more for their own lives than those of their neighbors. And many were saved. Many were comforted. And many were drawn by example to the cause of Christ. And late medieval Christians, recognizing the holiness of humans, humanity as image bearers, they founded hospitals and places where the sick could be cared for and healed. And today, driven by compassion for their fellow image bearers, doctors and nurses and hospice workers and a host of others, some religious and some not, care for the sick and dying because Christ came and nothing was the same. And there was a new kingdom, a kingdom not of this world. No longer was the political survival of the state the highest good. Folks, am I losing you this morning? I'm, I'm just asking. Are, are we, I want you to, uh, you know, I've read this several times, and I said, do I really want to read this to the church this morning? And I decided after reading it four or five or six times, yes, I want to read this to the church this morning. So hang with me and, and think this through. There was a new kingdom, a kingdom not of this world. No longer was the political survival of the state the highest good. Governments, religious and secular, answered to the highest good, recognizing that there was a power beyond himself. The emperor, Theodosius, submitted himself to the authority and discipline of the church. Charlemagne was crowned, not of his own accord, but by the bishop, recognizing that God's laws are higher than our laws. In more recent times, despots, denying their subservience to the new political kingdom or order ushered in by the birth of Christ, have been opposed by those who recognize that we all bear the image of God. And we are left with the legacies of the Bonhoeffers and Wang Chimings, as a Chinese man that was persecuted for or martyred for his faith in front of 10,000 people in China. We're left with the legacies of these men, martyred not necessarily because they were Christ's followers, 
but because they were compelled to protect creation against those who would seek to destroy it. Because Christ came and nothing was the same. He goes on, and because creation became something to be celebrated, art flourished. Great painters, great composers, great writers, great performers in antiquity and modernity found an inner voice that announces the beauty of creation, a re creation redeemed by the coming of the God-man because Christ came and nothing was the same. Our personal resources were no longer for self-preservation. It was no longer only about survival, but also helping others to survive. Early Christians held resources in community. The wealthy noblewoman, Melania, dedicated all she had to others. Even in our own society, we recognize the importance of using resources, not just for ourselves, but for others. And charitable giving became ingrained in the American psyche. At its root, charity is about recognizing the inherent dignity of all people, including the poor and oppressed. It's a dignity that comes from our status as image bearers. And we know what that looks like because Christ came and nothing was the same. And then he finishes, and society's changed. It was no longer acceptable to kill simply out of utility. War became a last, not a first resort, or at least it was in principle. And equality and justice became an issue, not out of some effort to pacify the oppressed, but out of a recognition that all humanity has an inviolable dignity that must be protected and nurtured, a dignity that comes from Christ, the man, the human, like us. That dignity is the birthright of all humanity. As image bearers, as humans, humans like Christ, because Christ came and nothing was the same. I'd ask Mark to give me five or six sentences about the impact of Christ. <laughs> and in typical fashion for a historian and a theologian, he gave me a lot more than that. But I realized that God's called out once, that's you and I, we're to be the Lord Jesus. We're to be like Jesus. We're to be Jesus in this world in order to give glory to God, to bring peace on earth and to show goodwill toward all mankind. And I came to the conclusion after thinking this through and reading and that had Christ not come, this world would be a much darker place. And... He has impacted this world, not only in the area of salvation, but certainly that's the main place, but in everything around us. And I thought yesterday when I was at that prison, if it were not for Christ, nobody would be here bringing peace to a place like that. Uh, when I think about hospitals and education and science and all the things that Christians have started and thought deeply about, our world is a better place because Jesus Christ came. And so as image bearers, <laughs> we're to bear that image.
to our world. We're to be involved in our world. We're to be the light in the darkness. We're to bring the peace on earth. We're to be goodwill towards men and, and favor towards God. And so I decided there needed to be a third interview. And that's with the people that are in the pew this morning. That's you. And uh, I didn't really prepare you for this, but uh, I prepared Pastor Phil. I want to ask a question this morning. This is your opportunity to give glory to God this morning. And I'm going to ask you, you've had time to think a little bit, what impact did Christ's birth have on you? And you can develop that however you want to. Now, don't everybody raise your hand all at once. Uh, we can only do one person at a time. I'll give you a minute or two to think, and I'm not. Uh, silence never bothers me. So uh, I'll stand here until somebody thinks, what impact did Christ's birth have on me, my world, my life, giving glory to God? I'll, I'll start things off. You know, I mean, I, I obviously you can go to several things just in your own life if Christ wasn't born how you wouldn't be the person you are today uh, but I think that Jacob and, and Reggie wouldn't be in our home because of my love for Jesus Christ gave me the love for orphans and uh, life would be a lot different Amen Nothing was the same. I would, I'd still be in my sins. I think of his coming as uh, doing something that I, I sure couldn't have achieved myself. And a, a, a second thing would be because of his coming, we have an idea about who God is. Uh, I've talked here recently with people that have no idea what God wants, uh, how he can be approached. And I'm thinking of that verse uh, that in uh, former times he spoke to us through different, different ways, but in these days he speaks to us through his son. I'm thankful for that. Amen. That's from the beginning of Hebrews, that verse. Back when I was in high school, I was sitting at the Lion's Pancake Breakfast down at the depot next to Nettie, Ols uh, Nettie Parker, who was the superintendent's wife. And she says, Patty, you ought to work with special needs kids. And I thought, eh. <laughs> 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 that doesn't sound like fun. Um, I got my degree in education, elementary, not special ed. And through a lot of circumstances, um, I'm a special ed assistant now. And I think that if Jesus hadn't come, there wouldn't be 
first of all, education. Nobody would probably care that much. But secondarily, the ones most vulnerable would really not get cared for. Yeah. They would, you know, they'd be hidden away somewhere or left. Christ's heart. Amen. Doesn't have to be profound, people. I guess my my first reaction was that there there would be no substitute for Christ's coming. That um, the prophecies that that were there um, through. Isaiah through other areas of scripture in the Old Testament that um, we'd still be waiting, we'd still be looking for his coming. And we would be left with kind of the, the twilight of civilization before the, the dawning of, of his coming. So we'd be left, like you said, in, in darkness. And, and that darkness would be over everything we do and so much of what we know that it's hard to really take that away and, and figure out what would be left but um, through his coming the spirit came and, and God's Holy Spirit changes uh, what we do and, and the way we act and then that influence kind of uh, influences culture influences our, our world hopefully for, for good but it's, it's his spirit in, in work in us that really changes everything that really is that bright light in our world Amen thought I had was we would be alone if Jesus didn't come and like um, Mr. Griffith was saying there would be no way to come to God and so Jesus coming showed us the way to come to God and made the way and like it says he is the way the truth and the life and so there would be no way to know God and there would not really be good relationships between other people we would be just really broken and we wouldn't have his spirit, like Dad said, so that we could um, have compassion, that we could have love. We would just be still in our sin, and we'd be alone because of that. Good thinking. You know, I was thinking, as I'm hearing these, is there's a lot of people who don't know Jesus came, who don't understand that. I, um, as I was putting the service together this week, I wanted to do uh, a verse, a uh, prophetic uh, reading during the service that, that wasn't one that's normally done at Christmas, and I found that passage in Zephaniah. And interestingly enough, the verse that sticks with me out of all of that is uh, that he will forgive our sins, that uh, Christ came to forgive our sins and liberate us from slavery to our sins. At the same time, he liberated us from slavery to religion. 
And as I, as I consider what human history might have been without Christ and what our lives might be like without him today, you know, that we are not, uh, we're, we're bound to Christ because of love. We're bound to be obedience and love because we're children, we're adopted children of, of, uh, of God. Um, as a parent, we don't desire that our children obey us uh, because we compel them to. We desire our children to obey us and follow us uh, out of respect for us and of love for us, right? And, and so God, through Christ, desires that, that we serve him, we honor him, and glorify him, and, and obey him uh, out of love, out of that relationship, and not out of compulsion as, as a worldly religion would, would, would do. So we're not constrained to dress a certain way or eat certain foods or pray at certain times or go here, go there, do this, do that. And we're compelled to serve, serve Christ and, and, and do what, what honors and glorifies him most in our lives because of the relationship, because of love, and to actually have a relationship with our creator and, and not one that, uh, not, not a relationship of appeasement, but a relationship of desiring to please him uh, out of love and respect for who he is. Well said. Thank you, Tom. Melody. I was, I was thinking um, of Jesus Christ as our mediator before God the Father. As the Bible says there is one God and one mediator between God and man. And if we didn't have Jesus, we wouldn't have that mediator we would still like in the old testament they had to sacrifice through a high priest and that sort of thing and we wouldn't be able to have the relationship with god the father that we can have through god the son Anybody get to write a song last week to the Lord? Julie did. Good, good for you. Anybody want to read their song? <laughs> no. How about sing it? So one of the things that the Lord, uh, the impact of Christ on our earth is, is joy. And uh, I struggle in that area sometimes with joy. And uh, I find when I'm struggling with joy, I'm often struggling with thanksgiving and gratitude. And, uh, and so those are things that are inherently of Christ, our gratitude and joy. And uh, that's an impact that we as Christians should be having on our earth. And some of the uh, outpourings of that are through music. You know, I was thinking an obvious thing that we wouldn't have are all those songs about the Lord Jesus Christ that we're singing this morning. So um, I'm going to ask if there's one more person that might want to say something before I begin to close the service. Is there you know, I, I don't count, but <laughs> I, I do have... Julie's song here, and she did check yes that we could share it with the congregation on my uh, little form here. She titles it Jesus. Sunrise for humanity yet lived before time, 
an infant most lowly born, forever sublime. The light of redemption, forgiveness of sin, await those who believe in his mercies for them. Death's shadow, dear friend, need not be your plight. May his peace be yours on this holy night. There's a lot of things I think about that I could go a lot of different directions, but twice this year I had the opportunity and blessings to be able to minister in other countries with building a play set for kids. And as I think back in my time in the Philippines recently, um, and a similar experience in Ecuador, but I felt I gave very little to these people because it was a team effort. And I mean, it takes a team, really, to, to do those kind of things. But as I reflected back during the dedication that we had that, that Friday afternoon, which in the Philippines, the dedication and celebration takes five hours to go through. So <laughs> but as I reflect back on, on that at the time and, and since then, and even in Ecuador, when we minister for the Lord, we give a little of ourselves. But it's really amazing to see how much God gives back to us, more than what we could ever imagine. And in a lot of ways, it brings you to tears because you're very humbled because of the difference that Christ makes. Amen. Not just in someone else's life, but in our own lives. Amen. That's a great principle of Christmas. God gave. And we give, but the way that God gives to us is unbelievable. Unbelievable.